0: Good morning. morning. How's everybody doing today? Hey, it is so good to see you. Glad you're here. If you've got a Bible and you want to turn to where we're going to be reading today, where we're starting, turn to Joshua chapter 1 in the Old Testament. And if you don't have a Bible or a device with the verses, we'll have them on the screen for you. Hey, I'm really glad you're here today. Uh, If it's your first time at the bridge, I want to extend a a very special welcome to you. Thanks for joining us today today. There are a lot of great churches in the valley. We're just glad you've chosen to be here with us today. If you have any questions, out that first set of doors to your right, there's an info center. They can answer any of your questions. You can also check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. We also have a church app you can download. We want to get connected with you. So check it out. And uh, again, let us answer any questions you might have. Can we just welcome first-time guests? Join me today. Thank you so much for joining us important day today a big day today we're going to be doing baptisms after second service last count I heard we've got like 35 people signed up to be baptized today it's awesome what God's doing so I'm excited for that I'll be telling you more about some things going on a little bit later we've been in a series called promised land questions and I'm taking four Sundays this is the last Sunday I want to conclude this series today Not covered everything that I really wanted to cover, but you know, time is what it is. But in this series, Promised Land Questions, we're looking at the journey of Israel from the time they left Egypt, going through the wilderness, until they settled in the Promised Land, or at least got into the Promised Land. Paul wrote about this, and Paul said the things that were written about Israel on this journey were written so that we could learn from it. It's 1 Corinthians 10. We talked a little bit about that in the first couple of of messages. Don't want to go back and reteach anything I've taught because there's just too much there. If you missed any of the sessions, go back. There's three sessions before today. Go back and listen to them. It'll clarify the fact that we are on a journey in this life day by day possessing the things that God has promised to us. We want to enter into everything that God has for us collectively and individually. Here's how Jesus said it in John ten ten. Jesus said the, sti- the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. In the original writings, that word or those, those words more abundantly literally means superabundant. It means God gets involved in our lives and provides things that we cannot provide for ourselves. Literally, it means a better life, a superior life, a life beyond what we could create for ourselves. That's why we say constantly around here, God has better plans for you than you have for yourself. We've been talking about this promised land, and we've been asking some questions and answering some questions. And if God provides a superior life and a superior lifestyle, a better life, wouldn't I want that? Wouldn't I do everything in my power to pursue it and live out that life? Of course we would. So the question today that I want to answer, which we've been touching on this along the way in this journey, the question I want to talk about today is, how can I possess my promised land? The dreams that God has put in my heart, the promises he's made in his word, the things that he's put there that I know are for this life and the life beyond, how can I possess my promised land? Of course, as we've said earlier in this series, this is a process. It's a lifelong, life-fulfilling process. But let me begin with this thought. This week in my studies, I went back and did some review on some things I've studied through the years bible scholars and bible interpreters are not in total agreement there's a debate about how many people actually came out of egypt how many people of israel left the land of egypt at the miracles how many passed through the red sea how many went into the wilderness how many eventually settled in the promised land there's a lot of debate and discussion about the number but Let me fill this at you. I'm I'm not going to get into the debate and take sides because to me it doesn't really matter. But here's the point. Evidently, it was at least 60,000 people. Now think about that. Some say it might have been over a million people that left Egypt. We don't know for sure, but we do know it was a large number of people who were delivered from bondage. But all of those people who left Egypt died in the wilderness except two men. Only two men of all of those who left the land of bondage went through the wilderness and entered into the land of promise. And today, I want to look at those two men and I want us to learn three words that will help us on our journey, our process, as we go about possessing our promised land. So let's get started. Joshua chapter one. I'm going to move fast today. Okay. We got a lot going on. Joshua chapter one. Look at verse number one. After the death of Moses. Now pause one minute. One, you know, 10 seconds. Moses was the leader who brought the people out of the land of Egypt. He led them through us 40 years in the wilderness when they went around in circles because they would not believe God until they were all dead. And then God took Moses. Here's what happens. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses had announced, Joshua will be the next leader when I'm gone. Joshua is one of those two men that left the land of bondage and entered into the promised land. Verse number two. Moses my servant is dead. This is what God says to the next leader. Moses my servant is dead now, therefore Here's what he's saying. Here's what's happened. You've left the land You've started the journey because of unbelief. You've gone around in circles for 40 years now Moses and that generation is dead. Here's what's next now therefore arise go over this Jordan you and all this people to the land which i am giving to them the children of israel notice those words in that second verse arise and go say those two words with me arise and go Got to do it one more time a little bit louder okay arise and go that's god's instructions to the next generation it's time to possess the land so we have to arise change our posture if he said arise what was their posture They were either sitting down or laying down for 40 years. It's time to change your posture, arise, and then go. Take action and go possess the land. Now, look at verse number three, because this is so important. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, future tense, will tread upon, I have given you, past tense, as I said to Moses. The first word i want to talk about today and we're going to see it here in joshua's life you'll also see it in the other guy's life we'll get to it in a few minutes but the first word is faith if you want to enter into the promised land that god has for you you've got to have faith you cannot get there without faith faith is essential To our journey. Our whole walk with God is a venture of faith. It begins in faith. By grace we're saved through faith. It ends in faith. When we go into the next world by faith. Believing for what's next. This is a journey of faith. But what is faith? Promised land questions. What is faith? What is God wanting? Hebrews 11.1 says faith is a substance. Substance. It's a substance. People think faith is a mindset. It's more than just a mindset. Faith is a substance. It's the substance of what you're hoping for. In New Testament language, in the English, when it says hope, it literally means expectation. Faith is the substance of what you're expecting. When you're expecting God to do something, you have faith that God will do it. Faith is a substance that says God's going to do what he said he would do. Then he goes on to say, faith is also the evidence of things not seen. So it's substance, it's also evidence that even though I can't see it, even though I haven't yet possessed it, I know God's going to put me there. He will place me there. So therefore I will stay on this journey because faith says it exists, even though my senses can't touch it and I will get there and everything's going to be okay because God's word is true. You see, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Romans 10 tells us that. God's word, the promises he's made, develops faith in us. Faith is in the DNA of God's word. Therefore, in our lives as God's people, God's children, if we believe God's word, faith will be there that what God has said is absolutely true and God cannot lie, so I'll keep walking in that direction because I'm a person that has faith in God. It's substance and it's evidence. But let's move on. Faith is also my response to God's promise. Faith is a verb. It's an action word. We we look at it like a noun. It just gets stuck between our ears. It might get stuck in our heart. That's all it is. No, faith always produces some kind of action. And faith is obedience to God's instructions. Now, I think, this is my opinion, I don't think you'll find a better description of faith, a better picture of faith in all of God's Word than Joshua chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, which we just read. So let me break it down for a minute. God says to Joshua, it's time to possess the promised land. It's going to take faith. So the first thing God says is, arise, go. He didn't say, sit and watch. He said, arise and go. Now, there are times we need to sit and watch. There are times we need to sit and wait. We need to know. There are times God will say, hang on a minute. And I'll get into that a little bit later. But faith is, arise and go. And, and then the next part of this in verse 3, and I love this, because from the time you start your journey with God, this becomes our way of life. Verse 3, every place the sole of your foot will tread upon future tense i've given to you past tense you know what it means to possess the promised land it means when god says it's mine it's mine but then god will say arise go walk into that land conquer it and take over it that's what faith is it's a journey of hearing god believing god and then acting on what God has said Hebrews eleven six says that without faith it's impossible to please God those who come to God must believe he is and get this he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him can I tell you something today God rewards us for our faith God will reward you for your faith now I know not that that's not always taught everywhere I know that But God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Those who will believe him. God was a rewarder in the Old Testament. He was a rewarder of people in the New Testament when it was written. God is still a rewarder of people today because his nature does not change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I need to follow God because he rewards my faith. When I believe him and I pursue what he's promised, God rewards me by doing what he said he would. Faith is essential in this journey. And what each of us really want from this life, our promised land, can only be found in God and His Word and His promises and the leading of His Holy Spirit. So today, let me say this. Don't be deceived. Your faith matters. Can I throw one more thing in real fast? This is not in my notes. Second service Bridge youth will be in service today. So I'm going to get to speak to some teenage types. How many have, got, have had teenage types around the house or you've got teenage types around the house? Now, different breed. Let me tell you something. We need to prepare the teenage types to pursue the promised land. And I'm going to talk to them about faith and I'm going to single them out for just a moment. But here's the thing. From the time you get into high school, maybe even grade school nowadays, the enemy is constantly Beating on your faith, beating on your faith, trying to destroy your faith. The first thing they teach you when you get into higher education is don't believe God, don't expect Him to do that. Did you know even some Bible schools today, the first thing they do is they teach you not to believe God's Word. God won't do it, God won't do it. He used to, but He won't do it anymore. It's a bunch of nonsense. God is still a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Therefore, by faith, we need to follow closely after God. Amen. Whether anybody else amens or not, I'll amen myself because that's good. So, to enter the promised land, I got to have faith. Number two, the second word, it's still in Joshua chapter one. We're going to pick up where we stopped reading. This is still with Joshua. Here's what God says, verse four Joshua 1, verse four. God says, From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. See, God gives them boundaries for the promised land. Here's your promised land. Had God not given them boundaries, Israel could have taken over the whole world at that time. But God said, here's the land I've promised to you. Sometimes goofy Christians get way out in left field and they start claiming other people's wives and other people's husbands and they start claiming the biggest house in town, the biggest car in town, the biggest bank account in town because they want it for pride for themselves. Let me tell you something. God's promises are in this book. These are the boundaries of what God has for us. Everything in there is for you and for me. But outside of those lines, don't start coloring and get your heart attached to wrong things because all it will do is shipwreck your faith. And that's really good preaching. (laughs) Amen. I am in myself twice this morning. Now look if you would at verse 6. Here's what I want you to see. Verse 6. Second word. Be strong and of good courage. Second word is courage. A lot of people never enter their promised land of life. They never learn how to possess it because they don't have faith. Number two, a lot of people never inherit and possess all of the promised land that God has promised them because they don't have courage. Now, I know that doesn't sound very spiritual, but it's in the Word of God. God says to Joshua, be strong and of a good courage. How many of you know there are going to be battles in life? There are going to be obstacles in life. Jesus promised us that going to be tribulation, going to be times of pressure. But battles and challenges and pressures don't come to destroy us. Battlefields are for winning. Battles are to be fought and won. I'm going to tell you something. If you're faint-hearted, you're going to have a hard time living out the promises of God because if you're faint-hearted, you will give up. Come on, smile at me. Second service, be shouting by now. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. We're the bobblehead church. We may not be loud, but we nod our heads, okay? (laughs) You've got to have courage. You've got to have courage to believe God on difficult days. You can't be faint-hearted. And God wants to strengthen our hearts and strengthen our minds. Let me read a little further. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. So God says you're going to do it, but you've got to be strong and have good courage. Verse 7, now notice what God says. Only, everybody say only, only be strong and very courageous. If God says to you this morning, you need to have good courage, okay. Okay, God. And then God comes back and says, you need to be very courageous. How many of you know that means we're in for a bumpy ride at times? That's okay. That's okay. We've got to get rid of this theology. Says, "Well, You know, if God has something for me, it'll be an easy, smooth ride. And if it gets bumpy, I'm going to quit because it's just not God's will for me to go in. Let me tell you something. If If your road isn't bumpy now and then, you're not on the right road. If you're not fighting some battles now and then, you're not possessing all that God has for you. Because it takes courage. Verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. And do not turn from it to the right hand or the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Now what's he saying? Verse 7. Be strong and courageous and obey my instructions. Be strong and courageous and obey my instructions. Isn't it true Isn't it true when life gets tough and we have battles to fight and the road gets bumpy, isn't it true that we tend to stop following God closely? Well, I must be on the wrong road. must not be God. Well, God didn't really say this. God didn't really say that. Well, that's in the Scripture, but it's not really for me. Yes, it is. You just got to be strong and very, very courageous at times. Verse 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from my mouth, But you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Let me do a one-minute disclaimer here. You know why I'm doing this, this, this series? I'm doing this series because it hurts my heart when I see people living down here when God says we can live up here. It hurts me when I see people hurting, not knowing what God's promised, not believing what God's promised. It hurts me when I see people run into obstacles and they give up. Let me tell you something. If you're going to win battles, you're going to have to have courage. You're going to have to face the enemy. You're going to not only stare him down, but go to war. And once you go to war, God fights battles for you. But you got to be willing to go to war. I'm doing this series because I want to see you enter into your promised land, not stand outside and watch and say, well, I wish I could, but I can't. It's going to take courage. And finally, verse 9. The Lord says, have I not commanded you be strong and have good courage? See, God says it three times. You've got to have courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. To be dismayed means to be broken down mentally And emotionally don't get emotionally broken down don't get mentally broken down be strong it's the opposite opposite of courage it's discouragement don't get discouraged and give up in the battle because I am with you wherever you go it's interesting this this thing about courage we don't teach it in the church very much but it's all over Scripture if you're gonna follow God you're gonna have to have courage You're going to have to be willing to rise up against your emotionals and the carnal natural thinking when things get tough. If not, we give up. See, courage is the strength and the determination needed to overcome that says, I'm not going to give up on what God has promised me. Let me just give you a track record of this real quick. When God sent the 12 spies into the land 40 years before they possessed it, 40 years earlier when Joshua was a young man, God told the 12 spies, be of good courage. But 10 of the 12 came back discouraged. When Moses announced to the people of Israel that Joshua would become their new leader when he was gone, he told Joshua and those people, be strong and courageous. If you go back and study the story, when Israel entered into the promised land, the first city that they went against was Jericho. And when the spies went in to check out Jericho, Rahab the harlot told them, when we heard about you people coming this way, our hearts did melt and we had no more courage. Let me tell you something. We're sitting back afraid of an enemy who has no courage. All he can do is lie and tell us what he's going to do. He cannot enforce his will on us because we are the children of God. We're to have courage and he's the one whose heart is supposed to melt and run away when we come against him. God has called us to be victors, not victims. Rise up. Be courageous. To come down to the end of Joshua's life, and the people of Israel have got a little more work to do in the land and they're getting all settled. In his last address to the people, Joshua told them, Be very courageous. Before I move to the third point, I've got to drive this home. One of Satan's greatest tools is dis. God says, have courage. And Satan says, I will throw circumstances and lies your way to discourage you, to dishearten you, to take away your will to go forward and trust God. We have to have faith, but we also have to have courage to look the enemy in the eye and say, I'm not giving up. I'm going into my promised land. Got to have courage. Now, here's what's interesting about this. See, I've been doing this a long time. And I've studied God's word a lot. And, and I got to tell you, every great person of God who had very much written about their lives, if you study it out, they all had moments of discouragement. But in moments of discouragement, if we run to God and not from God, he will encourage our hearts. David, on one of his worst days ever, got ransacked at a place called Ziklag. And it says while everybody else is ready to kill him and get rid of him, David encouraged himself in the Lord. Now let me explain this to you real quickly. Psalms 27, 14 says this, wait on the Lord. I told you earlier, there's a time to arise and go, but there's also a time to wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. See, here's why we get lost in our Christian faith. Isaiah talked about this. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The problem is, the word wait in English is different than what's in the original writings in the Old Testament. The word wait that's interpreted, or the word that's interpreted wait in these instances, in the original writing, means to bind yourself around something, to bind two things together. When it says wait on the Lord, it means wrap yourself in the Lord. Get so entwined with God that the two of you are one. When you get tired, when you get weary, wrap your heart around God. Get close to him and let him wrap his heart around you. Because in those moments, God will encourage you and you will rise to your feet and you will realize the battle is not over. I'm going to get back in there and I'm going to win and I am going to be a person of courage. It takes faith and it takes courage to possess your promised land. Then we come to the third and final word. We're going to shift from Joshua to the other guy who entered the promised land, a guy named Caleb. Caleb. I've done full messages on Caleb. There's so much on the life of Caleb. You you could do a series on Caleb alone. But I want to just give you some highlights real quickly. When, When the spies came back from the land, the 12 spies returned, Caleb was the first one to speak up and say, we can do this. God said it's ours. We can do this. But the third word that I want you to look at today with me is the word persistence. Faith, courage, and persistence. See, I'm I'm not going to leave the door open this morning for you to walk out of here thinking, well, if it's it's, it's God's will, it's going to be easy. It'll just all fall into place. If not, well, who knows what to think from there. No, got to have faith, got to have courage. Number three, got to have persistence. Persistence is a constant, continual commitment to a course of action. It's a constant and continual commitment to a course of action. It means every day when I get out of bed, the first thing I do is I commit myself to God and the course of action he has for my life. Don't worry about other people. Don't worry about where they're at and where their journey is. I'm committed to God and his journey for my life and the promises he's made to me. And if you look at the life of Caleb, there there are three things I want to show you real quickly, three scenes. Caleb left Egypt as a fairly young man. He was about 40 years of age. How many of you know 40s are getting younger every day? Okay? Even Zach believes that. He left Egypt with Israel with Moses' leadership. And he began the journey to the promised land. I mentioned earlier the first real picture you see of Caleb, when he comes back from spying out the land, he speaks up and says, You know what? Let's go in and take possession because this is ours. 10 of 12 said, we can't do it. There's giants there. The land's overwhelming. It's too much for us. Caleb says, no, if God is pleased with us, he'll give us the land. It's ours. They're our meat. They're our bread. Our provision is right there in the land. I've seen it myself. Let's go in and take it. He had that kind of faith. He had that kind of courage. But what we're going to see in the next few minutes is he also had Persistence. You see, Caleb had faith and he followed God's instructions. God sent them into the land, said, Go spy out the land, come back and tell us what it's like. Caleb came back and said, Here's what it's like. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's everything we could ever want. Let's go take it. The other guys all gave their opinions. Well, it's tough. It's going to be bumpy. It may not be God's will. He may have lied to us along the way. Maybe we just need to lie here in the wilderness and die right out here. Don't you hate being around people like that? Don't look around you trying to figure out who that is. Okay, they're not here. They're not here this morning. But Caleb followed God's instructions. Why? Because faith follows God's instructions. Caleb believed exactly what God said. And since we're talking about promised land questions, let me ask you. Ask yourself do, do I believe everything God says do I believe it's for me do I believe the promises are mine have they become personal for me from the very beginning when he first went and spied out the land Caleb was a let's take it guy but then he has to wait 40 years while everybody else dies out everybody of adult age dies out before the new generation arises but his persistence Carries him through that 40 years of waiting on God's timing in the new generation. But then we see the second scene in Caleb's life. You find it in Joshua 14. I'm going to read several verses here and I'm going to read them quickly because I want you to see the story before I comment on it. Joshua 14, here's what's happened Israel has gone into the land. They've begun to possess it, one city at a time, one area at a time, and now they're making a plan for how do we fight the rest of these battles? How do we get this all settled? And Joshua's given instructions to all the tribes. We're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. Here's the plan, and here's what happens. Verse number six of Joshua 14. Then the children of Judah, it's one of the tribes, families of Israel, they came to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, there he is, Caleb, the son of Jephun of the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. Here's what he's doing. He's getting historical. You remember what God said to us 40 years ago? I haven't forgot it. Well, there's a whole sermon right here. God hasn't forgot the promises he made 40 years ago. So if God hasn't forgotten them, then why would I give up on them? Why do I put God on my clock? Why do I tell God you got to do it in the next 40 minutes, next 40 days, next 40 months? He's been waiting 40 years. And Joshua's kind of like, well, you know, this tribe goes here and this tribe goes there. Whoa, 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 wait just a minute. Wait just a minute. Don't forget what God said 40 years ago to us. At Kadesh Barnea look at verse 7 notice what he says I was 40 years old when Moses the servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart nevertheless my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt but I wholly followed the Lord my God verse 9 so Moses swore on that day saying Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years. Pause here real quick. At 40 years of age, he went and spied out the land. It's 45 years later. He's still holding on to the promise of God because he's persistent, because he knows God doesn't lie. Notice what he says. Now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, here I am this day, 85 years old. Verse 10, or verse 11. As yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so is my strength for war. Notice what he says, both for going out and for coming in. You see that expression throughout the Old Testament, going out and coming in. It means to go out to war, to win the battle, and then come back home. He says, I have a heart for war. I have the strength for war at 85 years of age. I can still go fight. I can still win battles, and I can come back home victorious. That was the heart of this guy because he was a man of faith and a man of courage and a man of persistence. Verse 13. Pardon me, verse 12. Verse 12. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there. Anakim were giants. And that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Now, I've read through this. I'm going to make a few comments. I'm almost finished. When Caleb was spying out the land, remember the story they brought back between these spies, they carried these staffs, and they, they stretched their stabs between their shoulders and they carried great clusters and clusters of fruit that were so big they couldn't carry them by hand. It took two men to carry them on a staff. Caleb came back. He said, you know what? I'm going to follow God and when we go in and possess the land, whenever it is, I want that area of land where we brought that stuff from. Don't tell me that God doesn't put dreams in your heart. Caleb said, I've seen it with my own eyes. I spied it out. I saw it. We brought back the fruits. When we take the land, because I'm going to stay here, I'm going to be a man of faith and a man of courage and a man of persistence. At 85 years of age, I still want that piece of land. And listen to this. I will go in and I will drive out the giants. We will overtake those cities because God said that was mine. I'm going to be persistent and I'm not going to give up until it is completely mine. That's the kind of faith we need. That's the kind of courage we need. That's the kind of persistence that we need. See, Caleb wrapped his faith around God's promise and it became personal. Let me tell you something. If God's God's promise becomes personal to you, you won't give up on it. Let it become personal. His persistence kept him vibrant and young. He had a life worth living. At 85, he still wanted to go fight giants. Why? Because he was a man of faith, courage, and persistence. Time was never an issue for Caleb. His age was never an issue. Possessing God's promises, that was the issue for him. He never gave up on the promises of God. See, Caleb understood there are giants to kill and there are battles to win. But you can't sit back and watch. You've got to go for it. Interesting little note about Caleb. The name Caleb means dog. A lot of people don't think much about Caleb. Man, he's just a dog. No, Caleb was a bulldog. He'd bite you on the seat of the britches and hang on until the battle was over. He was not going to give up. That's the kind of persistence we need. He developed a bulldog persistence. And finally, the last part, very last part of the message, the third scene in Caleb's life. He's a spy, he's taken over the land. He does, he goes in, kills the giants, drives out the enemy. But when he's finishing up this task, he begins to unite his heart with the next generation because he wants them to understand what God has done and what God is doing. Caleb decided he would teach his faith, his courage, and his persistence to the next generation. I'll spend more time on this next service. Friends, we need to be pouring faith, courage, and persistence into our children and our grandchildren. Because the world's trying to destroy it. If you don't know that, you need to wake up. Everything around us is trying to destroy faith, courage, and persistence in believers. We need to be driving this into our children's hearts so here's what Caleb did. The last part of his conquering the land, the territory that was his, he said, here's the deal. I have a daughter. She's not married, haven't given her to a man, but I'm ready for her to be married. I don't think he was saying, I want her out of my house, but he was saying, it's time for her to get married. And he said, so I'm looking for a son-in-law. And here's the deal. If there's a young man who'll come along and take the rest of this territory... When you take the territory, you can also have my daughter and become an heir of all that I have already conquered. Caleb said, I'm looking for a son-in-law who's worthy of my inheritance, a man of faith, courage, and persistence. Dads, maybe even moms, grandpas, grandmas. Caleb said, I'm looking for a son-in-law who's worthy of my daughter. If your daughter's boyfriend doesn't have faith courage and persistence you need to have a long talk with him and point him in the right direction so it's really quiet in here <laughs> see what Caleb said was and well this is so important Caleb said I'm looking for a son-in-law to carry my inheritance forward who's not afraid of the future God's looking for people who are not afraid of the future. You know, Moses and Aaron and Miriam, that whole family there, that all this journey, you see their names over and over again. They were written about so much. You don't find a whole lot about Caleb, but Caleb found personal purpose, personal blessing within God's master plan for his people. And he committed his life to God's master plan. He possessed his very own promised land because he had faith, he had courage, and he was persistent. Hebrews 6. I want to read these verses to you. they will be on the screen. I just want you to see this in closing. Verse 11. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end that you do not become sluggish but imitate those who through faith and patience, persistence, inherit the promises. Numbers 14, 24 says Caleb had a different spirit. He followed God fully, it means to completion. Stop a minute, I'm finishing right now. He followed God to the completion of everything that God had promised as opposed to giving up along the way. I'm not going to give up. Caleb lived while others died because he was a man of faith and courage and persistence. I could go on for several minutes about persistence, but I need to close. I want to pray this morning. Two quick prayers. Number one, I, I want to pray for you. Because I know. You, know I, you say, well, you get, you know, this is your life. You get paid to do this. I don't do this because I get paid to do this. this. This is my life, period. This is the way I learned to start living 46 years ago, 47, 48 years ago. I was six years old at the time. Spent <laughs> my life. Faith. Courage. Persistence. That's how we inherit the promised land. If you're struggling today in some area of your life, I want to pray for you right now. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray for everyone in this room today. God, we need you. God, I know how life goes. Sometimes you get knocked down, you get kicked down, and it looks like you're at the end of the road. But God, help us today to never give up on your promises. Help us to stop blaming you for our mistakes. Help us to stop giving up when things get tough. Give us faith. Increase our faith out of this word today. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Increase our faith. God, encourage us today. If there's anybody here today who's struggling, who's discouraged and wants to give up, encourage them and help them to stop looking backwards and start looking forwards to all that you have in front of them. Their promised land. And then, Father, help us to be patient and persistent. Every single day, getting out of bed saying, I'm going to follow God wholly all the way to the end of this journey. Make us persistent. God, if there's anybody here today who's got you on the clock, patting their foot, saying, hurry up, God, hurry up. Father, right now, convict them and take them off the clock. Help them wrap themselves around you and wait upon you let you fulfill what you said you would do in their lives give us faith courage, persistence in Jesus name one other prayer while heads are bowed for one more moment maybe you've listened to this today today, and you've thought well that all sounds great but I don't even really know God I've never got into this journey to start with but maybe as you've listened to this today something inside of you has turned over and over again and you realize this is real This is real. God's for me. He's not against me. God has plans for my life. Bigger than I know. Maybe today you're at a place where you realize, I I need to accept God into my life. I need to accept Christ as my Savior. I need to put my whole faith in Him and let Him become the Lord of my life. Let Him start leading me. If that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer today. Because prayer is how you start that journey. Prayer is an invitation to God to say, God, I need you. Come into my life. I'm going to pray this prayer. I'm going to ask you to repeat it after me. Everybody in the house, pray this prayer right out loud. Say, God, I need you, and I want you on my journey. I open my heart to you. I receive Jesus as my Savior. I accept Jesus to become the Lord of my life. I want to follow you. Teach me your ways lead me by your spirit help me learn your word because i want to follow you from this moment forward i ask that you would be my father and i could be your child thank you for receiving me my journey begins now amen amen just before we change the order of service couple of things real quickly. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or, or maybe you, somewhere back in time you started the journey but you kind of gave up along the way, uh, we want to encourage you today and I want to give you a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. Nothing magical about this. It's just great information. A little bit of reading for each of the next seven days to put some seed in your heart of what God wants to do in your life and who He wants to be in your life. We want to give this to you. When service is over, there'll be prayer teams on each side of the building down front by those front walls. Just walk up to one of the teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right there. No strings attached. If you've got questions, they can help you. If you want prayer for something going on in your life, they're here to help you. But please let us give this to you today. If you're in a really big rush, just before you leave the auditorium, right out there at the center doors where you exit the glass doors, there's a counter set up right there we can give you the same booklet there just stop by and ask for it no strings attached we want to help you get started walking with God now we're going to partake of communion this morning and I wanted to do it today we try to do this on fifth Sundays when we do baptisms when you came through the doors today there was a table set up where you could pick up the emblems of communion we're going to receive the Lord's Supper together So I'm going to ask you to pick up those emblems. In a moment, I'm going to have you stand. But if there's anybody here, you didn't get the emblems of communion, but you'd like to have them. Maybe you prayed that prayer for the first time. We'd love for you to partake of communion with us. If you're a person of faith in Christ, we encourage you to partake. If you did not get the emblems, just lift up your hand. We'll get them to you real quickly. We don't want to miss anyone this morning. If we missed you anywhere, just hold your hand up high just for a second. Thank you. Now I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. You could peel off that top layer on your communion cup. Hold that piece of bread in your hand. I wanted to do this today because I think some people miss the fact that Jesus went to the cross to wipe away our past, to liberate us from the bondage of Egypt so that we could walk into a better life, into our promised land, and into his eternal blessing. I think sometimes we look back on the cross when we first encountered Christ and we leave it there. Jesus said, from time to time, do this as often as you will in remembrance of me, remembrance of what I've provided for you. Some of us today need to make a commitment to God. God, I want faith, I want courage, I want persistence. And I believe my faith in Christ brings those things into my life. The cross takes away the things that separate us from God. It takes away the fears, the doubts that keep us from pursuing God's future for our lives. His body was broken for us that we could live whole lives. If you would take that piece of bread, let's partake of it together today. Jesus said to his disciples that this cup is his blood shed for our sins. This is to break us free from all the things that keep us from having the life of God working every day of our lives. I'm thankful today that the blood of Jesus cleanses me from sin every single day of my life. It frees me. It gives me a life of freedom in which I can. The Thanksgiving today, let's partake of the cup. Father, we thank you today for the body of Christ that was broken, for the blood that was shed, that paid the price that we could be free and live the abundant life that Jesus promised. We do not take this for granted. We hold it closely. We're thankful today. We remember the cross, what Jesus gave so that we could have all that he had. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for this life. In Christ's name, amen. How many people today say, I'm I'm ready to pursue my promised land, all of it. Are you ready for that? Are you ready? The last part of our service, and I'm going to say this while you're standing. Ann and I leave after church today, after second service. We head into the airport, be leaving for several days on our way to Kenya. Remember back in the spring, we kind of didn't make a big deal of it, but we we asked you to give towards building a new church in Kenya. We're going to dedicate that church because it is finished. We're going to dedicate two churches, actually. We're going to do a pastor's conference. We're going to be going to a couple of other ministries while we're there. A lot of things planned. It's going to be a great trip. and This has all happened because of your faithfulness and giving. We talk about it all the time. We're touching our world, Temecula, Murrieta, this valley. But we're also reaching out to the ends of the earth. We're making a difference in our world. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm so excited to come back and tell you what God's doing in this village of Godot where we built this church. And I'll come back and tell you some stories. But I'm so excited about it. I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness and giving. God's promised to bless us for honoring Him, believing Him, and trusting Him. God will bless you for your giving. If you've got a gift, there are several ways you can give. We usually have it on the screen, different ways. Most people give electronically. If you want to give an in-person gift today, there are offering containers right there on each wall as you exit. Also, one over in the children's check-in area on the counter. Thank you for your giving. God bless you. We are changing our world. Hey, have a great, great Sunday. We love you, and we appreciate you.